If you guys would, open your Bibles to the book of Colossians while I adjust this. There we go. The book of Colossians has some amazing news, and that's this, that you can be delivered from darkness and live a life that is devoted to the sun. That is the, the, the major themes of this book, that we believers are delivered from darkness and we can live a life that is devoted to the sun. In preparation for this, we'll, we'll see this first theme show up really quickly. And uh, in preparation for this, I was reading about a thing called darkness retreats. Um, I had never heard of this really until a few months ago. I saw that Aaron Rodgers had uh, went to this thing called a darkness retreat. And in essence, you basically get locked into a t- small room with like a bed and a bathroom. And then some people will bring in food for you. But it's completely pitch black. You can't see a thing, nothing at all. And people will go to these things for several days, three days, four or five. Though I, I went online to just look at this because I was kind of fascinated by it. And I found one where you could go and be secluded for up to 21 days in total darkness. And people do this uh, to try to have a better sense of where they are. And uh, I'm just going to read you from this website that I found. It, it says that it's in This darkness retreat is an unparalleled experience in intense seclusion in which the practitioner is deprived of all light and sensory distractions and therefore plunges the person into a deep awareness of the mind. Uh, Scrolling down or skipping down to what they say later on in their website, it says that dark retreats have provided revelation and illumination to countless Partitioners who have sought inner light. Well, the book of Colossians shatters this idea. There are several people who are out here looking for light by looking within themselves. But the reality, whatever Aaron Rodgers found there or any of these other practitioners will find, is only whatever is already in your own heart. They won't find anything else there. The book of Colossians teaches us that we, all of us, are stuck, really, in a domain of darkness. It tells us like, that we are like these practitioners, groping around in the dark, hoping to find something that might change our lives. And frankly, you'll find nothing in these darkness retreats and looking inward. You will only find something as you look outward to the Son of God. So... Uh, let's look to Christ now and look uh, here at Colossians. I'm going to read for us, um, I, I suppose, starting right here in Colossians 1, I'm going to read uh, starting in verse, where was it, 9, and I'm going to go down to verse 14. And we're going to come back and forth looking at various parts of Colossians along the way. So 9 through 14 of chapter 1 says this, and so from the Day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience 
with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Before going on and diving into this delivering from the domain of darkness, I want to read you a quick summary of, this, of the book of Colossians. Um, this is from a, a, a pastor, Mark Dever, and this summary in a single paragraph is far better than what I could have written, so I'm going to share it with you. It says this, in chapter 1, Paul tells the Colossians about his prayers for them, about the person and work of Christ and the mission of Christ, the mission Christ has given him to preach the gospel and to the Colossians. In chapter 2, Paul contrasts the Christian gospel with the ideas that might tempt the young church. The power of Christ's gospel, he says, can be seen in the changed lives of those who follow Christ. Those who have become captive to false philosophies and find themselves unable to resist sensual indulgence. In chapter 3, Paul reminds the Colossians of the mindset and the behavior that they should adopt, should adopt as Christians. And then in chapter 4, he sends good news and greetings. That's an excellent paragraph, a summary of this book. But these major themes are present throughout. And so our first point, our first theme of the book of Colossians is this, that we are delivered from darkness. Again, I'll read that verse, um, chapter 1, verse 13. It says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of, the, of his beloved Son. As I think about this, I think this image of darkness and this image of light are present in all over the Bible and especially here in Colossians. And we have this idea of people unable to see an inch in front of them, unable to see anything that's going on, hopeless, in need of someone to rescue them, to open their eyes. And Christ does this. You see, it says that he transfers us to the kingdom of who? Of the beloved son. So as we look at this transfer of what it takes or how it is, uh, I would expect that Paul gives us a step-by-step -step guide of how Jesus does this, but, that, but that's not what happens. Instead, in the following verses, 15 through 23, we get a picture of the nature of Jesus his godhood, his divinity, his divine nature. And so let's read that together. And, and let's put together some pieces of who this Savior, this Deliverer is. It says in verse 15, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on heaven, excuse me, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh 
by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a minister. You see, he doesn't give us a step-by-step guide of how we make it from this domain of darkness into this domain of light. Instead, he describes the one who is able to transfer us into this kingdom of light. There's a lot of things that it says here. And so I want to make mention, while we don't have time to go entire, very deep into each one, I want to make mention of many of them. Notice first and foremost, he is the image of the invisible God. That is, it is in Christ alone who is able to make the, what would be invisible in Christ alone, he makes the invisible that is God manifest to us. That is to say that through the man Jesus, God the Father is revealed to us. That's not only with human eyes as the disciples and people who lived among Jesus would have seen him, but also to the human mind and our understanding. It is through Jesus Christ that we come to know the character, the person of God. It is through Jesus Christ that we come to know God's goodness, his wisdom, his power, his love, his justice, all that God is there in the man Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. And next it says he is the firstborn of all creation. Jesus here. It's not saying that he is created at one point in time, but rather Jesus has existed eternally as the son of God, begotten by God since eternity past and will be begotten by God as the son, eternity future. He is the firstborn of all creation. In fact, it goes on to tell us some of the things uh, that he does. It is by Jesus that all things are created. It is for Jesus that all things are created. And also in this passage, we see that he is the firstborn of the dead. This is not referring to timeline that uh, Jesus was, the, was raised uh, first. Uh, while he is raised first into eternal life, you also see um, passages in the Bible where Jesus himself raises others. Think of Lazarus. Think of uh, even some of the disciples raising people. But yet those people die again. Instead of timeline, this speaks to Christ in the same way as, it is, as Christ is the eternally begotten Son. He is the firstborn of all creation and indeed for the firstborn of the dead and that he is raised to eternal life forever and others through him and by him may also be raised into eternal life with him. It's, it continues to say so much, uh, Going back a line, it says, in him all things hold together. The one who brings us from this domain of darkness and into a domain of light or into his beloved kingdom is in fact the one who created everything and the one who even right now, as you and I listen to the word of God, holds us together. If for a moment he decided that we shouldn't, we wouldn't be here. And yet he's merciful and good and he has the power and he does continue to give us life. It goes on to say more about him. It says that in everything, he begins to sum up this section, that in everything Christ might be preeminent. 
the first. He is the fullness of God. You see, what Paul wants us to understand, he wants us to shatter this mindset that you and I can somehow get ourselves out of this wicked, dark kingdom. He wants to shatter this mindset that we think we might be good enough. We might pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and somehow get to this other kingdom. We can never do that. It takes God himself to deliver us from the domain of darkness and into the domain of light. This preeminence of Christ leaves no room for you and I to think that we can deliver ourselves. Verse 13 again states clearly that it is Jesus who transfers us from the kingdom, from one kingdom to another. And it is through this transfer in him as we go from darkness and into his kingdom that we find redemption and forgiveness. That his sacrifice on the cross has bought peace for us with God. This is the first fundamental part of understanding what it means to be a Christian. To be someone who loves God is to be someone who has been rescued, right? We didn't do it ourselves. We didn't manage to somehow make it to God on our own. No, we were delivered by an all-powerful, all-loving, good, just deliverer. That is who the Son is. That is who this deliverer is. But it doesn't stop there. The book of Colossians goes on to say quite a bit that these people then who are delivered are then devoted to the Son. If y'all would look at chapter 2 here. Uh, Chapter 2 Verse 6 says this, Therefore, as you received Christ, excuse me, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Chapter 2 begins this transition to help us understand what it means to be a person, to be a citizen of this new kingdom of the beloved Son. It is somebody who is devoted to the Son, devoted to the Deliverer. The rest of the book really lays out a lot of specific examples of how to do that. And we'll look at some of those here in a moment. But listen, I'm going to go on and read verses 7 and 8 as well of chapter 2. So it tells us to, as we receive Christ, so walk in him. And verse 7 says, Rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving, and see to it that no one takes you captive by empty philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. There are a lot of things here in this world. The domain of darkness is still real, and it still seeks to claw you away from Christ. And it tells you don't be swept away or held captive by any of these things. Rather, be devoted to the Son. In fact, Paul points this out himself, and he even begins to demonstrate it a bit. And if you look back at chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, it says, as he's writing, he says, Since we heard of your faith in Christ and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope that we have, uh, because of the hope for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth the gospel. He begins to demonstrate love for believers and reminding them of where their hope is. He's telling them, your hope is in Christ. Be devoted to him. He wants the readers of Colossians to hear that even from the outset. So the entirety of uh, chapter three and four begin to really specifically three 
begin to speak to examples in which a believer lives a life in devotion to the Son. So let's look at this real quick. Um, If you turn to Colossians 3, starting in verse 5, you get this list of things we should put to death. The Bible often has lists like this. They're called vice lists, different things that may cause a believer to stumble. Maybe you stumbled through some of them. Maybe you stumbled through all of them. Uh, Me too. Listen to this. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And in these, in these, you too once walked when you were living in them. So just a quick pause. He's reminding them again in the middle of this list, you guys were just like this. He's reminding them, you lived in this dark kingdom but have been delivered from it. Have, and I think there's an implied, at least we can apply to ourselves, we can have compassion as we interact with people who are still stuck in this domain of darkness that have returned to Christ. But anyway, continue. Verse eight, but now you must put them away. Uh, you, you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of of its creator. So he tells us here, what does it mean to be devoted in the son? He gets really practical at this point. He says, these things that you've done, that is sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk, lies, kill them, put them away. This is part of being devoted to the son. But that's not all. It's not simply putting to death the person you once were, but putting on the things of God, becoming more like the image of that deliverer, the image of Christ, the image of the Son of God. So in verse 12, it tells us this. Uh, This is verses 12 through 16. It says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. And above anything else, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness, in your heart, in your hearts to God. In verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to him. As we read these, we see that there's so much to live devoted to God. We have to change entirely. Let me just list off some of the things that said there again. It said, we must be compassionate, kind, humble, meek, patient. We must bear with each other. We must forgive We must love. We must have the peace of Christ and thankfulness, and we should dwell on the word and sing spiritual songs. None of these come naturally. None of these you will do on your own unless God himself changes you, unless you have been delivered out of this domain of darkness and into the kingdom of his beloved son. 
there's some great news of Colossians. This may sound heavy as you, as you hear this and as we say, how on earth could I put all that away and how on earth could I do it? Well, he's not writing as if this is impossible. He's writing in this, and uh, I'll read chapter 3, verse 1, saying, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things uh, that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. He's writing these things so you would know if you've been changed by God, this is possible. You can do this by the power of God in your life. And in fact, it's demonstrated often uh, in countless characters of the Bible. But in transitioning to the book of Philemon, um, you see, Philemon, if y'all turn there to the uh, near the back of your Bible here, Philemon was likely. Uh, it's believed to be a citizen of Colossae, even a, a member of the church in Colossians. And this deliverance from the domain of darkness and being devoted to the sun, as you read the book of Philemon, you see that this is demonstrated here. That in this story of Philemon, it's demonstrated. And I appreciate Josh here before we got uh, going encouraging us to read the whole thing because I'm going to read you the story of Philemon. The whole book is 24, 25 verses, um, but, but let's read it together. And I think you'll see how people who have been delivered from darkness and into light then demonstrate a devotedness to the Son. It says, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, uh, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier and the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel, but I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might, in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this perhaps is why he was parted for you for a while, that you might have him back forever. No longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of you owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident, 
confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers, I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you. And so do Mark, Archistarchus, Damas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. That's the whole book of Philemon. So if, if, in case you missed it, here's a rundown. Philemon here is a member of the church in Colossae. It's believed even, if you read some lines in uh, Colossians 1 and uh, here in Philemon, that he maybe have even started this church with Epaphras here. Uh, Philemon owned slaves, including Onesimus. Onesimus wrongs Philemon, it seems, and ran away. And one way or another, he ended up with Paul, where, because he was Paul, was with Paul, he heard the gospel and came to know the Lord Jesus. Now, during this time after Onesimus has become a believer, Paul decides to write a letter and send it back to Philemon, asking Philemon to forgive and embrace Onesimus, no longer as a slave, but as a brother in Christ. You see, Paul wants Philemon to see that people who follow Jesus are partners who share in the gift of God's love and grace. Philemon would have every right to punish Onesimus under the Roman law, but instead Paul is asking him not only to forgive him, but make him his equal. You see, the book of Philemon is a perfect example and demonstration of someone who's been delivered from the domain of darkness and into the domain of light because, and and having a devotedness to the Savior, because Paul never explicitly mentions the gospel. He never explicitly mentions the death and resurrection of Jesus, and yet Paul himself demonstrates it. Don't miss verse 19. Do y'all see that where Paul says, I, Paul, write this with my own hand. Uh, I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me your own self. He's saying, if, if Onesimus owes you anything, Philemon, I will pay it. Paul demonstrates the gospel through his words and actions. He insists that if there's any payment to be made, he will make it. In the same way that people stuck in darkness, unable to enter the kingdom of light, Christ Jesus makes payment that we might be right with God. Paul understands this. And so he enacts this and demonstrates this in his own life uh, as he tries to bring reconciliation with Philemon and Onesimus. There's a lot that I think could be said about Philemon. There's in a little book, only 25 verses. Um, there's a lot, a lot of people there. Uh, Paul, Paul mentions folks at the beginning and he mentions several people even there at the end. And something that he wants all the folks in this church to see is that to be devoted to the Lord Jesus is to be a forgiving, reconciling person. Uh, that's what Philemon is about. That's what Colossians is about too, that we have been reconciled, that we have been delivered from darkness and reconciled with God and we should be devoted to him and living a life that honors him and thus seeks to forgive, a life that seeks to reconcile with others. This is the good news of Colossians and the good news of Philemon. You can be, if you're not, you can be delivered from this domain of darkness. And if you are, then you can live a life that is devoted to the Son, 
by the power of the Holy Spirit within you, God enables you to live a life that honors him, including forgiving those who seem to have wronged us in such a way that we may never imagine, the way that Onesimus had ran from Philemon and, and had wronged him. And yet Paul writes to us there in Philemon that we should go and forgive and not only forgive, but be reconciled in those situations. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that you do deliver people from the domain of darkness. Lord, we praise you for the, the way in which you've done this, the, a way we never could have imagined, a way that our feeble minds couldn't comprehend, that you yourself would send, that you would send your own son to die, that God himself would take on human form and live like us. And not only that, but you would die and be raised again. Father, I pray that you would rescue those of us, those in this room who are not trusting in you. And for those of us who are, Lord, help us to live lives that are devoted to you. I ask this in your name. Amen.